Like That Podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Calvin. Will we like that? Welcome back to We Like That Podcast. Because we like that. And I like internet drama. And I thought I would run some by Calvin because he doesn't pay attention to any of the internet things at, at all. all. So... In the news recently, Justin and Selena and Haley, uh, Haley Baldwin, who's now Haley Bieber, are all kind of maybe allegedly beefing. Justin and Selena dated from 2011 to 2018. When they broke up in 2018, he turned around and married Haley right after that. Haley's actually the daughter of Stephen Baldwin. And prior to her being with Justin, she was a super fan. She was a super Justin Bieber fan. Oh, so he just married a groupie. Great. Well, so. Yes. So, well, a famous groupie. She comes from money. She comes from money. Anyway, so. She doesn't. Well, okay, sure. Her parents have money. Her, her parents have money, and okay. by that standard, she got money. Yeah. Did I say it fame? No, I said money. So anyway, um, the internet starts dis- dissecting just how big of a fan Haley was prior to this. Because there was a situation where Selena posted a TikTok of how she may have over-laminated her eyebrows. It was actually a very funny video. We're laminating eyebrows again. Uh, yeah, we I mean again. I mean, we're I- laminating eyebrows. Yes. When did this start? It's been a thing. Since when? Since threading was a thing. I don't. I missed Waxing, that. Waxing, threading. Missed, I missed that bolt. Lamination. I, the threading bolt I got because I had my eyebrows threaded. The worst pain ever. But did not know we were laminating now. So we're just burning... Our eyebrows into our foreheads now. Uh, yeah, just like you do with threading, you basically burn the hair off of your face. You don't think you guys are doing too much for beauty? Well, some people like it because they like how it looks at at the end of all of that. They think it's worth the pain. I've never looked at a girl like she has amazing eyebrows. Surprise! Surprise! Sometimes girls don't do all of that for men. They do it for themselves sometimes. Sure. Okay. So I agree to disagree. Interesting that you think. Beauty standards revolve around men. So, mm. Haley puts out some Instagram photos with Kylie Jenner where it looks like they're making fun of Selena's post about having over-laminated brows. And the internets start talking. And they're like, what is happening? They call Haley and Kylie mean girls for going after Selena. Because Selena's been through a lot. <sighs> she's got She's ha- been diagnosed with lupus. She had to have a kidney transplant, plus all the drama around Justin Bieber. The Jenners are like germs. They're just like everywhere. You can't get away from them. They really are. So it kind of goes back and forth. Selena posts something uh, regarding a Haley Bieber little video where it looks like Haley's making fun of Taylor Swift. And she basically posts something to stand up for her friend. But the internet is going to internet and they see it as them going back and forth. Then Justin has a birthday party and in a lot of his photos, it looks like he's happy to be around everybody except his wife. He's also showing off his tattoo of Selena on his arm. So people are like, I wonder what that's about. He's also handing out like favors that have an inscription that say, I'm so thankful that I didn't end up with what I thought I wanted. Is that supposed to be some kind of haku? That's a long haiku. Do you know how many syllables are supposed to be and everything? I don't think it's a haiku. I think he was trying to be like insightful. Some What's people insightful about this. Well, I'm thankful that I didn't end up with what I thought I wanted. I think it's supposed to be something like sounds like a bad postcard. I think it's like a whole "be careful what you wish for" type of saying. 
Like, be careful what you wish for, you might get it type of thing. Sure. Okay, so <laughs> some people took that to, as a diss towards Haley, him saying that he basically settled for Haley. Other people took it as a diss towards Selena, him saying that he he he's glad he didn't end up with Selena and that he's ended up with Haley. Other people feel like he was just saying stuff to say stuff. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean anything at any at all whatsoever. Uh, and this is why I don't pay attention to the internet, because this is stupid. <laughs> it took up a lot of time. But also, people didn't realize just how into Justin Haley was prior to their involvement. Uh, there's also allegations that Justin was cheating on Selena with Haley. So there was a whole blah, blah, blah. But apparently, people have discovered that Haley was a super fan of Justin. Also, she kind of mimics a lot of... It looks like she's mimicking a lot of things that Selena does. Like, Selena has a tattoo of a G behind her ear. She went and got a tattoo of a G behind her ear. They choose the same outfits a lot of the time. It's very interesting. So she's acting like everybody else who's in that circle. Go fig. I also don't know if she's acting or if this is all ploy to keep getting attention. Because she doesn't have a whole lot of projects outside of being Justin's wife. So I don't know. Hollywood's weird. Hang in this because it's one big circle. But, That's why. Yeah, it's weird. That's it. But on a more positive note, did you know Arnold Schwarzenegger's dad is a Nazi? How's that even more positive? Well, that sounds crazy. Around when? Ah, get the chopper. Around Wednesday or Thursday, Arnold put out a very heartfelt video regarding the recent surge in anti-Semitism and racism and just all the prejudice, basically. Where he sat there and talked about how his father was a former Nazi, and after the war ended, his father and people like him were just broken people. Like, them supporting these hateful ideologies, it turns out, didn't actually support any kind of purpose whatsoever. He talks about his visits to Auschwitz, and he just talks about how we as people need to really work on trying to understand each other better, and he associates it with bodybuilding which i thought was a really smart move either on his part or his pr people's part because he talks about how he had to face his own biases i had to build the body to fix my own biases basically he talks about it like in terms of muscle you have to he's saying it's like muscle memory you have to stress the muscle in order for it to change and he's like you can't change your outlook on things unless you take the time to actually look outside of what you normally look at to expand your own opinions about things and your own perspectives. It was actually a really good video. But a lot of people didn't know his dad was a Nazi. Okay. Okay. So I just think he accomplished a lot to never learn English. It's amazing. He did learn English. Mm, did he really? Yeah, he speaks like six languages. English is not one of them. Interesting. No. His English sucks. It really does. I, I, you know you're whispering. But anyway. Great. So there's that. Now we're going to get into a documentary we watched, because we like to watch documentaries here, about Jared Fogle, the former uh, Subway spokesperson who lost all this weight. He lost, what, like 900 pounds? Yeah. <laughs> 245 and he was because he said he was eating a lot of subway sandwiches Mm -hmm. which that has to be bull crap well well it wasn't so so the documentary starts off with a little before the times with jared fogel we found out he was a fat kid growing up and he had a very 
unsocial life because of it. Apparently he got picked on, he was bullied and people, the, even the, the people they brought in to do the interviews that knew him at that time when he was a kid, talk about how like he was just like social suicide, like no one talked to him or anything and they only focused on the fact that he was fat. So it seems like he just lived in an area of assholes. Like they don't mention anything about his personality, nothing. They're not like he was a jerk. They're like, he was just fat. And so we said no. We said no, too big. We said apparently so. He goes up, goes to college. Uh, apparently when he entered the Indiana University, he weighed 425 pounds. And that was in 98. And then by 99, he lost 245 pounds in a very short time frame. Yeah, supposedly by just eating Subway all day. He would start his morning off with a six inch sandwich. He'd uh, go to his classes, uh, maybe eat something light, like some kind of veggie snack or something. And then a splash of red vinegar. And another six inch sandwich for dinner and call it a day. And he lost so much weight that it caught the attention of the campus newspaper. Can I be honest? Mm -hmm. The reason he was eating those sandwiches, not because he was trying to lose weight, because that's all he could afford at the time because he was going to school. I mean, that's plausible, but he, well, it was for Subway, but when he's explaining his Subway diet, he talks about how he did it specifically because he enjoyed Subway sandwiches and he thought they were the healthiest option. They were the healthiest convenient option. No one enjoys Subway sandwiches. I do. I enjoy Subway sandwiches. Which makes you very weird. That's true. That's true. Anyway, so um, it picks up steam. Everybody starts recognizing him as the guy that lost his huge amount of weight. Subway picks it up as well, and they decide to hire him on as the spokesperson. And he stays the spokesperson from 2000 to about 2013, 2014. And he's a household name after all of that. He had a whole series, or at least Subway had a whole campaign series where they were having other people do the Jared diet, the Subway diet, and showing like before and after photos of these people. The documentary titles them as co-stars. And they talk about how he made such a big impact on their lives. Like they basically idolized this guy. They really idolized him. He made um, about, about about $15 million within this time frame. I don't know if it was 15 million or more. He made a lot of money. He made a lot of money doing whatever he was doing. Um, so that brings us to about 2006. So he's been doing this for about six-ish years or so. And he is set to do some sort of interview in Florida, Sarasota, Florida, with a, a news journalist, a radio news journalist there by the name of Rochelle Herman. Apparently he'd been, apparently he was known to be a very flirty, touchy-feely kind of guy. With the ladies when because he came across them. he lost that weight, got confidence, and now he's the man. He's unstoppable. So, can he, you dig it, baby? He was flirting with Rochelle. And apparently he was comfortable enough around her that when they're setting up for an interview at a middle school, because mind you, oh, he also has a child charity foundation that focuses on obesity in children. Uh, basically for education, to educate these kids to stay away from obesity. It was ran by... Eventually it's run by a guy named Russell Taylor, but that's skipping some steps. So he's got the, he's trying to do this interview for his child charity foundation. He leans over to Rochelle Herman and he whispers to her, because oh, they're at middle school, he whispers to her, I like the young girls at the middle school. 
Kind of. Yeah, basically. He said, and his best Trey songs voice. He said he found these middle school girls to be hot. And Rochelle says that it stopped her in her tracks. It made her, you know, her veins turn cold. And now she becomes the, uh, a, a spy and an investigator of the highest she order. She de- definitely becomes an investigator. So she takes it upon herself to, like, record conversations with Jared on a hunch that he might be into children. And that hunch was correct, because unfortunately. Because for some reason, Jared was so sprung on this lady, he just telling her, thought telling her all his inner secrets. Yeah, apparently he did that to a lot of people he got close with. I went to Thailand. Uh, I saw the babies. Uh, it's okay, so. And I got the babies. Rochelle starts recording their conversations without Jared's knowledge. Uh, eventually, she takes it to the FBI a couple months into doing all of this. And the FBI, at first, doesn't believe her. They think she's some kind of super fan, maybe, who's trying to get close to Jared. But they start listening to the tapes and they're like, oh, no. You might have something here. Unfortunately, the tapes she has are inadmissible in court because Florida is being Florida and they have a state law where you have to let the other party know that you're recording. I forget what they call it, a two-consent law or something like that? And two, the the question she was asking him could be leading because she was like, so so what age do you like him, nine or ten? He'd be like, yeah, about that age. That's leading? Yeah. If I'm asking you, what, how young do you like them? That's a very generalized question. She said, how, how young do you like them? Around nine or ten? But that, or was, like that, that was in the middle of a conversation. And he said, yeah. But that still can be like, hey, if I was somebody trying to put me, pin that on me, I'd be like, well, she brought it up. So I thought that was something she was into because I was trying to get with her. So I thought that was something she was into. You know, she was just making ca- casual conversation. I didn't know I thought it was weird, but I didn't think nothing of it. Eh. So, I, I mean, so the document, the documentary shows sort of a timeline. They jump around a lot, but they show how she started her conversations with Jared. And then after she tells the FBI and gets them in on this investigation of hers, they start giving her scripts to use, which in my opinion would technically also be leading because she has to ask a lot of kind of like rooting questions about his interest in children, what he's done so far, what he tends to do, and all of that. So wouldn't also that be considered leading? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but the FBI wants her to keep using it. And she does it for three years with the FBI. To nothing. To no avail. They set up a potential sting operation to have a fake birthday party for her son. Jared's aware that she has children. And she gets him to agree to come down for the party. He like gets excited about it. And he asks, he's asking her all kinds of questions about what the children will look like and how to be so hot and sexy when the children are checking her out. And oh, by the way, now he wants pictures of her kids. Yes. He then ups the ante and asks her to send him pictures of her new children. And she's like, that's too far. She gets so upset with it that she actually goes to her local police department to turn in the FBI for not doing their due diligence because she's been doing this for three years to nothing. And oh, by the way, something happens. They really don't explain what between her and her daughter. In the documentary, her daughter finds a diary with all this information in it. And I guess she thinks her mom is doing something evil. We don't even know. They we just, don't know. They just said, Rochelle says that she was keeping a diary for, 
that basically talks about her investigation and how she feels about this investigation. She comes home one day and the diary is torn up and in pieces. And then she finds out her daughter was the one who not only read this diary, but tore up the pieces and that's it. And that's, that's all they say. Her daughter is not in a documentary, by the way. She talks about how her time trying to do this investigation against Jared, it kind of split her family apart. Her kids felt alienated from her because she was so invested in trying to get Jared for what he was doing and telling her. But it is very vague and kind of open-ended why of her two children, only one is present. But anyway... Her son, her son talks about, my mom should go in the room. And I thought her son was like in the same place as her. He's in Taiwan. Every time she talks to Jared. I think he's back in the States. I don't know. They didn't say if he they was. They really don't <laughs> tell you really. So, so it gets to a point. So the sting operation to have Jared come down doesn't work. There's a schedule conflict. For whatever reason, the FBI can't get their stuff together in time because Jared's trying to come pretty early. Uh, and she can't get Jared to come later because his schedule won't allow it. Which is weird to me that how many ages are they really going to have this birthday party? What they what do they need to get together? But how many ages are going to have this birthday party? Like, you're going to take all the agents' kids and bring them to this birthday party? She was just talking about how she needed them to be ready in like a 48 to 72 hour window. And they were like, we can't do that. And I'm like... Sounds like to me no one really cared <laughs> probably because they did nothing for three years so anyway um it gets to the point where rochelle becomes so paranoid that jared's out to get her that it, that her life's in trouble her children's lives are in trouble because she is basically the sole person that's holding all of this weight so she decides to go to a bar and tell a local uh i guess he was the head radio she, she didn't go to a bar. She went to the studio. Okay, she went to the studio and told her, I guess, her manager or boss, uh-huh. hey, there's a white van following me. And she put on a hat and then she just walked right back. That's not what happened. So she That's did exactly say something. somebody was following me and then she lets him in on what she'd been doing. And of course, he doesn't believe her. He thinks she's schizophrenic. Um, and then shortly after that, he gets a visit from two gentlemen in suits and shades. The men in black. Who asked for her by name. They asked to see her. He's like, she's not here. And, and then I, they take everything. They raid the studio. And it's shortly after she turned over a bunch of evidence to state police. And then she's like, I'm going to go on the radio. I'm going to tell everybody what's going on. Yeah, she threatens to bl- blow this case wide open herself. Because nothing's been happening. It's been years into this. Nothing's been happening. It's just her and Jared talking back and forth about dirty things he wants to do to children. Her family's falling apart. She's falling apart. So it's a stressful time. It's a crazy stressful time. And then this documentary moves gears and talks to us about Russell Taylor, who's another person who was, um, what's the word? His, uh, the, the guy who ran his foundation? Yes. But what happens, what's the legal term they use when they're working together? I forget what that is. Co-conspirator? Maybe co-conspirator. Anyway, so point is, there's a guy named Russell Taylor. We need to get our legal terms down. (laughs) I forget what it's called. But anyway, so there's a guy that runs Jared's charity. His name is Russell Taylor. They worked together for quite some time. He ends up meeting this former uh, holy roller going lady, church going lady. Where are you getting that part from? She was heavy into the church. When they first come, their daughters talk about how their mom 
used to go to church all the time. She's a heavily religious person. I find that interesting that out of everything in this documentary that you done didn't pay attention to, you paid attention to that? Yeah. Interesting. And then something happens. She has a follow-up with the church. She meets this, what's his name, Tom? Russell Russell Taylor. Russell Taylor guy. And all of a sudden, she just loses all parental knowledge and guidance. I don't think it's sudden. Yes. I don't think it's sudden. She was all the way to the right with the church, heavy religious. Then, when she meets this guy, all of a sudden, she goes all the way to the left. I'm just saying, knowing people who were heavily involved in the church, and then they separate from the church, that's usually the trajectory. You go from being completely this, like purified person to all of a sudden trying to do everything and anything that you weren't allowed to do previously. That's like a common trajectory of going to extremes. So, so I didn't think tells it was, you losing your goddamn mind. I think this was a person who was looking to be validated by somebody. And she found that in this Russell Taylor and she would agree to anything to keep that. Cause clearly that's what happened. So basically he gets her into doing, uh, animal porn. Oh my gosh, slow down, Calvin. Russell Taylor runs the charity organization for Jared. He's into filming, apparently. Uh, this woman that Calvin mentions that he's messing with has two stepdaughters, and he's they they have them as interviewees as well for the document, documentary, and they talk about how Russell had eccentric behavior around them, but because of the nature of their household, they didn't question a whole lot. Apparently in their house, it was... A free fall. Their mom turned their home into a free fall. Didn't have a lot of boundaries. They were allowed to drink. They were allowed to do drugs. They were actually encouraged to do so in the house. And touched themselves as well. Yeah, yeah Russell had a lot of very of sexual interest in these kids. It is terrifying. So, um, that being said, Russell is partners with Jared. And apparently these two travel together for a lot of their work that they do. Um, and in that, they also took several trips to Thailand and they play a recording of Jared talking about how he loves Thailand because you can get any kid at any age there, allegedly. Uh, no, that's true. That's so scary. And then he talks about how his favorite time was when he was able to do things with a, a little boy there. Um, you've never seen the uh, N uh, NBC Dateline? Uh, documentary about uh, people, Americans going overseas and going to these little villages and getting these young little girls and all that stuff? No. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Oh, my goodness. So. They actually follow one guy and they catch him twice and he tries to talk his, his way out of it. But, anywho, go on. This is about Jared. Okay. So, in that vein, Russell Taylor, that they continue talking to us about, he um, apparently is really into filming girls and things and whatnot. Uh, they talk about an instance where they were going to meet Jared and it was a big deal at the time because, you know, Jared was a huge celebrity and the daughter, the stepdaughter that goes asks to bring a friend. Russell kind of lights up and asks which friend it's going to be. And then apparently he told Jared which friend it was going to be because Jared had a gazillion questions about what this girl looked like and whatnot and what have you. And then when they finally go to the dinner, he just talks about how he would, wouldn't mind having sex with this child who's like 15 or 16 at the time. I don't think they discussed that over potatoes. I think they did. I don't 
think they did that. Because you got to think at this point, Jared feels like he's immune to consequences. But I don't think he, over the nuggets, he talked about, hey. The girls talk about how he was saying it at dinner. He was talking about it. That's what made them uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Interesting. Anyway. Crazy thing to talk about while you're eating broccoli. So you hear the documentary people asking the girls why they didn't think that was a flag at the time when they were young. And they were talking about how, like, it was their normal, basically. It didn't raise any flags for them because that's how it was in their house. Um, So fast forward, Russell Taylor gets arrested for filming child pornography uh and bestiality. Actually, he gets popped with bestiality. A tip came in that he might be engaging in acts of bestiality. Uh, in Indiana, which is the state they were in, it's illegal to be in an act of bestiality at the time, but not have images of bestiality at the time, which is what the original tip was. The original tip mm-hmm. was that he had photos of people in acts of bestiality. Uh, but they had enough grounds to do an investigation. They end up raiding his home, and they find over 500 images of child pornography. Uh Plot twist. Mm-hmm. The lady in the uh, animal bestiality photos was the, the girl's mother. The two girls' mother. They identify one of the women in the photos with another animal as being the girl's mom. Yeah. So not only that, this guy has set up cameras all throughout the house mm-hmm. to film these girls. And he's leaving like dildos around for these girls to use. And enticing them to do sexual acts like leaving... A laptop on their bed with a dildo with a porn mm-hmm. on the laptop already playing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And while they're doing this, him and their mother are watching this. It, we find out later. It turns out this girl's mother was in on it the entire time. And there were even conversations she had with Russell Taylor about having sex with the girls herself or watching him have sex with those girls. And rec- and it was recent that this was brought to light to the girls. They say it was 2020 when the FBI told them they were reopening yeah. an investigation for them. When did he go to jail and when did Jared go to jail? Uh, Russell Taylor and Jared went to jail around the same time. So what year was that? Like 2013, 2014. So it took them seven years to figure out that the mom was involved. Yeah. And she got double the time Jared got. The whole time they had all this information. Yeah. It took them seven years to put together that the mom was involved. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Jared's about to get out. So Jared went in around 2014, 2015, and he only has to serve 15-ish years or so. So if, if that was like, if it's between 2013 and 2015, he, he's getting close to coming out. So I think they reopened that investigation in 2020 because there were a lot of, there was a lot of heat on them about tips that were coming in about child predators and them not doing anything. So, you know, there's that. Whatever. Interesting. So, uh, that being said, so yeah, Russell gets caught on a bestiality tip and then they find out all this child porn is there. And then in the process of looking through all that child porn, they find out that he was circulating it and sending it. And Jared Fogle was one of the people he sent that to regularly. So then they were able to raid Jared's home and, uh, they found more things apparently, and they were able to indict him. And the judge literally went above what was the recommendation for him to have for sentencing, which I think they were trying to push for like five or eight years and gave him 15. So I just found this documentary to be crazy. The fact that 
This lady just took some off-the-cuff comment and was like, you know what? I'm going to investigate this. I'm going to be the new spy. I'm going to start recording everything he says to me because I know he's doing something. As somebody who also... Well, I'm looking at it from my own experiences. Sometimes you get a, a vibe that somebody something's not right, that something's wrong. They call it like women's intuition or whatever. I, think I the, fully give her credit for that because it ended up being correct. I think the vibe was she thought he was going to get too handsy and probably attempt to sexually assault her at some point. You've never been in a situation where you guys are talking about one thing and then somebody says something out the blue that's really weird. Yeah, we call them no longer friends. And but, then we stop talking to them. But that's what I'm saying. Instead of her just being like, I'm going to completely distance myself, which probably would have saved her sanity. We also call them crazy. She decided to move forward and try to do something about it. I'm not knocking her for what she did. I'm just saying that was a hell of a reach. You, may, But it was a correct one, though. It'd be one thing if she made that accusation and nothing happened. But she was right. And how many people try to make that accusation, go through it, and, and there's nothing. They just are crazy. I hear what you're saying, oh, but that wasn't her case this place. time. I think she just got lucky. But she did get lucky. Yeah, I'm not I'm not arguing with you on that part. I'm just saying that's it was like, wow. That, to me it was just like, okay. Maybe if he said it, but then again, he could have been saying this the whole time. The documentary didn't make it seem or feel like it's just the documentary makes it seem like or feel like they were at that school. She's getting ready to do the interview. He touched her knees a couple of times, tried to hit on her, and she's like, mm, no, thank you, Jared. No, they actually dated a couple of times. That's why he was so comfortable. Yeah, but it's not like he was, she was like doing anything with him. I think he was already kind of off to her. I think he was already weird to her. And I, then he added, you know what also makes me hot? I like little girls. And she was I, like, "I what? Huh? I don't know how to react to this. I don't know what I to think do with he, this information. I just I think he was enamored with that lady for some strange reason. He was she fit a certain type of like beauty standard for the 90s. When they show her younger pictures, she's she's skinny, she's blonde. Everybody keeps talking about how big her boobs were. Like that was a constant comment and slash compliment for she her. She was no Cameron Diaz from the mask. I'm just saying in terms of real people, like people you actually have access to, apparently she was quite the catch at the time. But like she was a fish out of thrown back. I think you're quick to dismiss her according to you her jump to an investigation because of how it was packaged. Cuz the lady that That's they what show I'm saying. Us, yes. That's what I'm saying. I can see you being like because there's no, several... I'm not saying he couldn't have been attracted to her. What I'm saying is the way the documentary made it seem is like he just said that one thing to her and she went, huh, you know what? I'm going to see where this goes. But she did. But to me, I think it had to be more. I think he probably said little offhand just comments to her. And finally she was like, okay, this is, this has got to be something. This dude can't be saying this because he's saying it's too much. He, or it's, he's it's, saying this way too comfortably. Why is he saying this so comfortably to me? Maybe, maybe. Why Why maybe. is this such a natural thing for him to say to me right now? But I, but the, the woman now, as they're in doing the interview for her, I could see why you'd be quick to dismiss her. Because she does present herself like almost a, like a caricature of a lot of the reality show people we watch that are quick to dramatics. She presented herself like she was a professional 
investigator, a private investigator. Well, she said she was an investigative journalist. Oh, my God. And honestly, to her credit, she was dismissed for the exact same reason that you're saying. She was dismissed a lot by law enforcement because they were like, no, we're not going to take her seriously. It can't be this. I think that had to do more of a law enforcement just being lazy. I'm just saying, there's a lot of people that felt that she was either jumping to conclusions or she had nothing and she turned out to be right this entire time. Anyway, speaking of that lady, after Jared goes to jail, she finally gets to release those tapes that she's been sitting on for years. She gets interviewed by her local news station and they don't believe her either. They are the guy who said at first, and then he starts talking to her and she plays him the tape. She's like, okay, she's, she's real. But she had to play him the tapes. She had to show her physical proof is what I'm saying. And, but she finally gets her day in the spotlight as well. Almost kind of like a validation of like all of that time she dedicated to doing this is finally paying off. We're sitting there debating. You guys tell us what you think. Do you think from that one comment that you guys would have possibly done the same thing she did or you doing like, eh? Okay, let's put it in a better context. Say you're already talking to somebody that gives you the creeps and then they say something off wall. Would you then be like, maybe I need to take what they're saying seriously or would you just brush it off? Women talk to creepy dudes all the time. That's what I'm saying. Women talk to creepy dudes all the time. So him saying something creepy, you'd be like, eh, that's just creepy. But that's Carl. That's That's just creepy Carl. But it's creepy on another level. It's creepy on a different level. Yeah, I I, I guess. I don't know. I'm just saying it's wanting to be like, I like to watch ladies. And maybe because I ignore a lot of people too. So maybe that's another thing. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, that, what did you think of the documentary as a whole? Did you enjoy the three (laughs) The three episodes we got explaining this. It's a little too long for me, but it was interesting because how they went from point A to point B mm-hmm. and how it took them so long to get to C and they still dropped the ball and it took them even another seven years to get every, well, they probably didn't get every, but to get the last person in that little group Mm-hmm. That was involved in all of that. Involved in all that. When they had all this evidence to begin with. When they're showing her talking with the FBI, and the FBI is like, just keep talking to him, and they don't give her anything else to go on or go by, I'd be infuriated as well. They kept saying how they needed physical evidence, how they couldn't use the tapes because they'd be inadmissible, but they still wanted her to record. I'm talking about the last lady they caught. The uh-huh. mother of the two girls. I'm talking about law enforcement in general. Yeah. I'm talking about law enforcement too. I'm like, did they not talk to the two girls about what was going on to them even think about looking at her, their mother. Right. Because a lot of this was child, child neglect. Yeah. So not even, no one looked at the mother. Right. That's what I'm saying. With all the child neglect going on. They did. They, the girls said they did look at her, but they couldn't do anything because they needed proof or whatever, blah, blah, blah. They already had her own camera doing bestiality. But remember, in Indiana at that time, it wasn't illegal to have well, the image. Yeah, you're right. You're they right. had to catch her literally doing it yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Because they love horses. But again, I find it quite convenient that this happens in 2020. And the other big thing that happened besides the pandemic was the whole thing that happened with the gymnastics dude. That's around that same time frame. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I found mm-hmm. that very convenient that they were like, oh, and by the way, we're doing this too. Maybe they looked at some old film like, huh. I'm just saying, I think they dragged their feet 
for a lot of this investigation. Local police had to get involved and it started to pick up steam. And then all of a sudden they were like, and we're raiding. And we're also raiding. We're also looking at this stuff as well. <laughs> we're taking it seriously. It's very, I, the other thing I couldn't get over was just how cult-like Jared's fans were of like, even though they know he did this disgusting thing, they were so grateful that he taught them the subway diet, which by the way, when they're showing all the people who were his quote unquote co-stars in the subway commercials, having followed that diet, they're almost back at their original weight. Yeah, this was uh, one of the more draining documentaries to watch. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to have to take a break after this because this was sickening. And mm-hmm. the fact that he was everywhere wrestling, football players. I don't know how many football players was in some of his videos or you, things he, he was doing. shook hands with Chad Ochocinco on a red carpet event. He was all over with Michael Strahan. Yeah, he really was. Michael Strahan was calling him his brother and everything. Yeah, 2015 is when he got charged. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Oh, in 2016, he was attacked in prison. Of course. By a 60-year-old named Stephen Nigg. Of course. Very The worst thing you can be in jail is a child molester or a child predator. That's the They have to put you in solitary confinement because they're going to kill you. Uh, well, he's not in solitary. So he's got a fan base right now. Women write letters to him constantly. He's he's somewhere. He's not in open population. Okay. He's not. Mm-hmm. He would not have survived. Mm-hmm. They kill child predators in jail. Okay. I don't know what it is. I don't know why you get to jail to have some kind of ethics all of a sudden. Maybe they're like, listen, we need some to feel, moral compass or something. We need to feel better about something. Like, yeah, I may have robbed somebody or I killed these three adults, but you know what I didn't do? Touch little kids. So you're, you are a prime uh, victim in jail if you are going there for anything that involves kids or even, I think, rape women. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the allegations that Subway knew? Supposedly, Subway was alerted three times to their behavior. This is not a, a Jive R. Kelly thing. I, <laughs> yeah. This, I don't think they really knew. I think they did. They, if a couple of people come to you, hey, this is happening. You're like, okay, let's look into it a little bit. But that's what I mean. I think it came up and they were like, either they were like, that's ludicrous. And they just dismissed it. Because supposedly Subway opened up their own internal investigation and closed it. I would love to know how you investigate yourself and close it as well. But I think there might be some truth to that. Because it... I'm as not, bold as he started getting really bold I'm not about saying, talking about I'm it. I'm not saying there might not be no some truth to it. I'm mm-hmm. just saying I don't think they just willy nilly was like, eh. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not like Jared made Subway the number one uh, fast food chain in the world. He did. They were never bigger than McDonald's. Let's stop this nonsense. I'm just saying, in, uh, in I terms. I don't care how many pants he shrunk mm-hmm. or how many damn subjects i'm not saying not in franchises like they were doing a billion a billion people a day but let's not act they like were they were doing a lot they were doing a lot there's a reason he Look, stayed with them for that long i get it but let's not act like they were they were mcdonald's i'm i'm just saying he let's, gave let's them stop. a lot of money a lot of money so if you find out that you. your star anchor is now has this troubling past. Oh, that's the other thing. When Steve, Ta- uh, Steve Taylor, when Russell Taylor got caught, 
they separated themselves from him as fast as possible. Subway did. And Jared did the same thing with his foundation. Yes. They both tried to separate themselves from Russell Taylor. Yes. That's what happens. Russell Taylor has nothing to do with Subway. He has something to do with Jared. Okay. Which has something to do with Subway, which makes Subway still in a roundabout way look bad. But I'm just saying it's a very loose factor for them. They jumped. We just, we we live in a time where people connect conspiracy theories to nothing that has anything to do with this anything. This was 2013 you, at the time, though. Javon, it's still. Okay. We, yeah. Alrighty. Anyway, I found the documentary interesting. I do think that they didn't give us all the information, and I didn't really appreciate all of the direction they gave. They had a lot of moments where, like, the people are staring out into the middle distance for no reason with a voiceover. Because it's pain. They weren't talking about pain, though. They're uh-uh. talking about looking at the old home that they used to be in. They're talking about pain. how they recently got um, diagnosed with that condition that lady had. Pain. That guy talked about moving to Taiwan. Pain. Moving to Taiwan? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It's just, it was, I thought it was interesting. Because I knew some aspects of the subway story with Jared Fogel. But I didn't know about all of that. I didn't care because I didn't eat subway anyway, so. Okay. Didn't make me no difference. (laughs) Okay. Okay. like that we like that new episodes drop weekly so subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms because you know we like that now on to our favorite trash tv show love after lockup we're going to start with puppy eric and amber and tc jojo give us the overview of what happened We pick up with Amber, who's talking to her friend at a coffee shop and complaining that her and TC had a fight about Puppy and Eric. Basically, they had an argument about what she told him. Yeah, in a big way. I don't understand this perspective that Amber has that her and TC are a perfect couple and don't fight. And that the only reason they're fighting is because of Puppy. I, I don't believe that that's true. We saw them fight about the abortion. I, and we saw them fight about her friendship with Puppy. But she's making it sound like, no, we only fight because I told him Puppy and Eric are drug dealers and he believed me. I think that both things could be true. Interesting. Yeah. How do you, how are you not fight all the time and fight at the time? How is that both true? I think a lot of their uh, miscommunication is about, it's pretty much dealing with Puppy, I think. Okay. Okay, so how does that make? But both then again, true? that's all that we. That's only what we see on TV. So, uh-huh. who's to say? So, but going by the what we see on TV, all their arguments are with about puppy, really. Okay. So we saw them fight about the abortion. That's not about puppy. Well, that's something different. That's more of people's beliefs. Two two people with different beliefs. Okay, but system. it wasn't around puppy. Well, this is one thing. Everything else has been based around Puppy. Okay. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying for what the TV show has shown so far. Uh-huh. It's kind of been the case. Interesting. Okay. But, then again, it's still, they still don't look right together, though. 
I don't like how she downplays a lot of her wants and needs to support what he's decided for the both of them. I give, yeah, she does that a lot. But does she really know what she wants or needs? I think she does and she doesn't like it. That's why she runs to TC, who uh, makes the decisions for her. Do you think what she really want and need is puppy? Yes. Yes, I do. I've been saying this the whole time. I think they really do need to get together. But I also got to put into context, she lives in the South. Has nothing to do with nothing. Okay. They're in, in Georgia. Yeah. They just revoked women, a lot of rights for women down that way. Javon. I don't think she wants, I don't think she's comfortable with admitting that she loves puppy in that way. Javon. Calvin. That is the capital. What did you call me? Javon? Okay. Because now I'm upset. Uh-huh. See what happens when I'm upset? Interesting. The real name comes out. Interesting. Whatever. So, they're in Georgia. Yeah, they're in Georgia. <sighs> but there's, a, there's, a, there's a strong uh, gay community yeah. in Georgia. And it's so, persecuted a lot. Her getting with Puppy is not going to be as crazy as you think. I'm just saying there. she's not comfortable with that title. I don't think she's comfortable, she's not comfortable with, with that label. Her sexuality. Uh, her. Yeah, she's not comfortable so, with any of that. That's a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. But anywho, let's move on to Puppy and Eric. I got this overview. I got this one. So Puppy calls Amber and tells Amber she got a call from T- uh, Eric's ex saying she's still sleeping with him mm-hmm. and that she's sorry. Mm-hmm. She thus then puts him on with her in a three-way on the phone, and he's arguing with her, with his ex talking about how he misses her and all this stuff, and why he's she's ghosting him. So now Puppy has confirmation that this is going on. Eric doesn't know Puppy's on the call. Touche. Mm-hmm. So now Puppy's in a dilemma. Should she stay or should she go? Mm, 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 mm. She what makes the think? assertion that she should leave. I think she knows what to say, but I don't think she believes anything she says. Every look in her face looks like she's she knows she's making a bad decision. You can look at her and tell you. But she's fighting internally the entire time. Yeah. She she's saying I have to leave. She's saying I can't be with him. She's saying he's no good for her. But then when she's talking later, when they go and visit her mother, she's like, I don't know what to do. Meanwhile, this dude is drinking a whole bottle of. I'm thinking it's vodka. It's a clear, hard liquid. So by himself. if it's not vodka, it is gin. So he does not share. He's not a sharer. Well, her mom was dealing with cancer, so I'm sure she's still dealing with her treatments. Uh, and for whatever reason, Puppy isn't drinking like that when we're seeing the scene. So Eric decides to walk off and do something. And yeah. now Pu- After convincing or trying to reassure Puppy's mom that they are a golden couple and good and there's nothing wrong with them, he leaves to go to the bathroom from drinking all the alcohol. And then Puppy... Her mom, Puppy's mom goes, what's really going on? And yeah. Puppy tells her. <laughs> yeah. So now Puppy's telling her mom, and her mom is trying to help her deal with her face that is looking with full of bad decisions. I'm very confused. Well, I should say I'm confused. Maybe I'm just sad that Puppy knows what's good for her, but actively chooses not to do that. I don't think she knows what's good for her. She's saying all the right stuff. I need to leave him. I need to be away from him. I need to take care of my mom. Everybody who makes bad decisions says the right things. Okay. Doesn't mean they're going to do them. That's what I'm saying. 
She knows what to say, which lets me know she knows what I think she's would just talking. be the better option, but she chooses to go against it. I think she's just talking. Maybe. Maybe. Her face just tells me she doesn't know what to do. She's confused. Hopefully she figures out something. So now we're going to move on to Chance and Taylor. Tell them about the overview, JoJo. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Give them the overview. So Chance and Taylor's little segment this week was about his son arriving. In the last episode, he was on the phone with his son trying to catch up because he hasn't seen him in 18 years and immediately offered to get him a ticket to fly down to Missouri. With what money? We don't know. Visible money. But in the beginning of their segment for the show, when he's talking to Taylor, he makes it sound like it wasn't his fault. It just came up organically and he agreed to pay for a plane ticket to have his son come down and visit them in the next couple of days. He didn't lie to her. He just left out a lot of details. <laughs> That's a lie of omission, as we established in the last episode. Omission of a lie is not a thing. That is a thing. No, it's a it's legal not. thing. We're not in we're not in court. Interesting. So Taylor is understandably upset. She's like, I wish you would have talked to me first before agreeing to pay for his ticket because flights are insanely expensive. I'm a man. I don't have to talk to you because I'm a man. He throws at her that unless they're married, he doesn't have to tell her what he does. Meanwhile, they're sharing the house. They're raising her children together. And he is spending up her money. So she's like, ridiculously "Mm." fast rate. It is crazy. Ethan eventually shows up. Looking like the the picture of a white Jesus. (laughs) Honestly, he looks like every Gen Z kid now. He just looks like every kid. He looks like every picture of white jesus that you ever seen it is an awkward meeting because ethan does not know this man he knows of him but he doesn't know who chance is at all or so i thought apparently he knows enough to know that chance makes terrible decisions i'm sorry i'm not going to be around somebody where i'm that un- uncomfortable it uh, so taylor had her own reservations because she was wondering how this was going to look to ethan because chance was not in his life whatsoever and now he's going to go see Chance, who's helping to raise her kids, and they have another baby on the way. And Chance is like, oh, he'll just get over it. <laughs> Ethan, when he comes in, I think tries his best to, like, keep an open mind about everything. But he's like, you know, in the past, my dad has not made the best decisions. And I hope he's going to do the, ma- the the right ones with this family that he's got. I don't even think Ethan, I think Ethan thinks he's going to fail at this. I think he thinks it, but hopes he won't. Because he's hoping for change. I don't think Ethan cares anyway. Well, so they have their heart to heart. And Ethan talks about how it felt for him to be a kid without a dad growing up. And how he thought this one guy was his dad. but And he alludes to it not being a positive experience. And is like, well, I'm glad he wasn't, basically. But that he kind of struggled with the fact that he didn't have a dad like the other kids. And that tears him up. And it tears up Chance. And Chance talks about how <laughs> he's going to try to do right by him moving forward. And Ethan says, I believe people can change. Tears. And I hope you do that with this family. Tears. And then when we get our sides, Chance is teared up. And it's like, I'm so glad Ethan didn't grow up to be like me. More tears. I want to do right by him. And then with Ethan, he's like, I really hope Chance does prove to be a different person than he was with my mom. More ugly tears. Then they go to dinner at some Italian place. So this is where Taylor... Because Chance is asking a lot of questions about, hey, should I come down there and see Ethan? Can I come down and visit you where you're at? He's like, yeah, sure. Maybe I'll talk to my mom about it. And I guess the way he was asking about it, 
about him his, trying to make Ethan's mom feel more comfortable about him coming. Taylor thinks that something might be. Oh, he's asking too many questions about his ex. She's already suspicious, as Calvin pointed out last time, because he keeps disappearing. I thought she was aware that he's spending all the monies, but apparently she's not. She has no idea how much, how in debt he is. And she thinks him stealing away to talk on his phone is to talk with somebody else. Which, and then all of a sudden, Ethan's coming to visit, and now he's asking all these questions about Ethan's mom. Which is weird, because... But then again, that's Chance's fault. You let a, a woman mind wander, it's going to wander. You can't be upset where it goes. When you're not cluing her into what's going on. Interesting. Or keeping her abreast of what's going on. When the bill comes for them to pay this dinner, it is struggle city. They literally have to put it on like five different cards. Yes, yes. Chance immediately looks at this bill. Well, Taylor looks at the bill and goes, how are you paying for this? And he goes, uh, and he starts looking through his credit cards and he's like, all right, we're going to put 30 on one. We're going to put <laughs> 50 on this one. Right. Do you have 70 we can put on yours and then we'll put the rest on this other card. And it's like, clearly this bill's way over 200 bucks. What? Because he wanted to get the veal and shrimp. He, they do put down he a very expensive looking dinner down in front of him. And it's Tim, it's Taylor. It's their three girls and it's Ethan. And it's like, okay. So he's paying for it. I guess Taylor tells him to shut up. She gets upset because clearly they're spending more money they do not have. So he tries the man thing. Did you just tell me to shut up? And uh, public servant announcement out there to all the guys. If a female tells you shut up and you try to do the machismo thing and she looks straight through you and doesn't care, that means it's time to shut up and just don't look that way because actually she's at a point where she doesn't give a shit. <laughs> and nothing you say or do is going to change that. So just let it blow over because your macho thing ain't going to work at this point because she's liable to slap you right back. Oh, slap you first. So... Let it go. He, and he actually catches on and just keeps looking straight. He basically tells Taylor to fix her face. And she says, she's You like, fix your goddamn face. Basically. And he goes, eh, You win this time. And then, I will fix my face. And that's the end of their segment. We end it there. So I was like, Okay. Let's, Justine and Michael? Yeah. Justine and Michael. They are still dressing alike head to toe. Apparently, it was Michael's idea. This is. When does a honeymoon phase end? Well, I mean, in context, the way that we're watching this, a lot of that happened back to back to back. So them having that party and then the conversations with the moms and now this, this is all like pretty close in the time frame. So this is like maybe a couple of weeks after everything. When does the honeymoon end? I don't, I'm tired of seeing Bobby and Whitney dress like each other the whole time. It's getting <laughs> on my nerves. It's going to be a minute before the honeymoon ends. It's sickening. So, Justine's pregnant, as we know, and she's talking to Michael about how she wants to get a doula, and he can't understand why she wants a doula. A, they both already have children, and she's had three on her own, but she's like, I was robbed of the natural birthing experience, so I want to have a doula. How? I do not know. I, I don't know either, but this is her choice. They go to a natural birth clinic and talk with a doula. And Michael brings up, if uh, Michael asks if that doula can travel because he wants to move from where they are. In, I want to say what, they're in Pennsylvania or Ohio or something? They're in Ohio. They're somewhere cold because it's they're constantly snowing. 
in Ohio. So they're wherever that is. And he wants to move to the South Midwest. Whatever the hell that is. <laughs> is it the South or the Midwest? I think he meant to say South or the Midwest, not the South Midwest. Justine looks at him like he grew a second head. Because she's like, where is this coming from? First of all, this is where I kind of tuned out. <laughs> because Justine wants to eat birth and eat this and eat that and eat part they're, of this They're thing, talking about stuff. the afterbirth. This, they're this talking about ridiculous. what to do with the placenta. There is like an old Leave wives in the tale hospital. that if you eat placenta, it makes you healthier and helps with postpartum everything. Like symptoms, depression. Uh, old wives tale though. It's not clinically proven. That's what they were talking about. Sounds like witchcraft. Hey, it's her choice. Um, but yeah, she's blown away that Michael is now like, yeah, we're thinking of moving. And she's like, to where? Like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? Uh, Atlanta, Vegas, Houston. He doesn't say any of those cities. Yeah. Atlanta, Vegas, Houston. Okay. Nevada. You know, the South Midwest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nevada, Texas, Georgia. Because that's all one state next to each other. You know, in the South Midwest. So. And I want to buy land, home, build. Michael's talking about how he wants to be close to a city, but not too close to a city so that he has his space and freedom. He wants to own land and build his own home, which I mean, those are all admirable things to want. But where is the money coming from? I don't understand why he doesn't think land is cheap. Like he like we're still in, in the- his head. He thinks if they go to Texas, he says he's pushing for Texas. If they go to Texas, they can buy land and build a mansion for what it costs to uh, rent an apartment. He must think he's buying this land from the Indians back in like uh, when the uh, in the 1800s yeah, <laughs> post 1800s because this uh, is ridiculous. Spoiler, they didn't buy land from the Indians. They just stole that shit. So anyway. Well, they put they gave the Indians like $26 say we want this land. Indians like, sure. Because in, in the Indians' minds how can you own land? This is it's free. Historically incorrect, but okay. No, it is. They didn't pay them anything. They just yeah. pushed them off of it. They gave them uh, weed, too. It was $26 and some weed. Weed? Okay, anyway. Anywho. Back to Justin Michael. So, Justin's like, we got to talk to the family about all of this. We got to get the kids on board. We can't just be making decisions at whim. And Michael's upset that she's not supporting him. And they fight in front of the doula. And this poor doula is turning redder and redder as they continue to fight and fuss in front of her. So we fast forward, they go home. Mm-hmm. Now they're talking to the kids about moving to Atlanta, Vegas, Houston, or Nevada, Texas, Georgia. So he doesn't say any of those cities again. But when they first come home, Michael goes to hug Santana and Santana blocks him with his feet. And Justine is quick to be like, why are you kicking your father in the stomach? And she uses that, those words exactly. And Santana's like, he's not my dad. So like, then we find out Santana's on the spectrum and he's known to have outbursts and he's struggling with Michael being a part of their lives and in their home. Anywho, we disagree on the fact that I don't think she ever told him he was on the spectrum. Okay. I don't think she told him. Interesting. I don't think. I think she's probably... She told him everything else. You don't think she told him that? I think she's probably telling him now. Interesting. But now, he has to make an adjustment. I think we also disagree. I don't think that you can step into what is already an established family and be like, you have to show me respect. You have to do what I tell you immediately. 
and think that these kids aren't going to have some sort of reaction. You don't, but you got to take into account where that individual that you're messing with is coming from. Mm-hmm. He's coming from jail, a mm-hmm. place where you have to establish dominance mm-hmm. or you get crapped on or beat up. He makes it a point to say he doesn't want to scare him or like necessarily bully him. But then he follows that. that with like, he will feel my wrath if he doesn't listen to what I tell him. Yes. Interesting. That's how parents are. Interesting. You can listen to me voluntarily or you can listen to me involuntarily. But the, again, these aren't his kids. These are not his children. Well, she should have sat him down and the kids down and established rules of engagement. She didn't. She basically was like, you guys, this is now your father. You have to listen to what he said. So now, that's the rules of engagement she set. Mm -hmm. All he's doing is responding and doing what he's supposed to do. I just think it's shitty all around. These, I feel like these poor kids don't get to have a say in a lot of what's going to affect them directly. And when they do voice that they don't like something, it's brushed and dismissed immediately. Well... They're never going to win parents, parents of the Year. <laughs> so let's go on to Sean and Sarah, is it? Is Did it? I get that right name right? Yeah, Sean and Sarah. Yeah. So give us the quick overview, JoJo, and I will add my commentary in whenever. Question mark? Anyway, so <laughs> Sean and Sarah. <laughs> said maybe, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. John and Sarah's arc is picking up immediately from Sarah breaking those headphones after Sean was like, I hear you. And then immediately went back into the game and didn't help her whatsoever with the baby. Can I add, those headphones aren't cheap. <laughs> so she just add another $200 bill. Because those are uh, headsets. Yeah. So those aren't cheap. Mm-hmm. And Michael. Michael. I mean, Sean looks like he spent his money on himself. Okay. When he does. Because mm-hmm. he had a gamer chair. I don't have a gamer chair. He doesn't have a gamer chair. It's a regular recliner. Trust me. That's a nice recliner. It's, it's not cheap. But it's not a gamer chair. Yes, it is. Because it's sitting right in front of the TV. That makes it a gamer chair? Yes. Interesting. Wherever you sit. If you sit a, a chair in front of the TV that has a game on it, it's a gamer chair. That's that. Okay. Anyway. But anywho, yeah, that head, the, head, the headset is not cheap. Sarah wakes up to find that the baby's not in the room and she's kind of alone in that room. When she it's ha- been stolen by Sean. When she heads downstairs, Sean is actually feeding the baby, which is one of the things she wanted him to do. And he basically apologizes for the night before. He's like, you're right. I haven't been stepping up. I'm trying to be a good father to my existing six kids and to our daughter and also be a good husband to you. And she's like, that's exactly what I wanted. And she talks about how like he's always said the right thing to her but hasn't done the actions and she's kind of impressed that he is doing the bare fucking minimum right now wow language squeeze me minimum it's a holy day calvin please please he he honestly just fed the baby and that's it she asked him about the dishes and he was like oh yeah i'm gonna get started on those Mommy, not to make you upset. I'm just saying, the bar is so low for us ladies when it comes to what we expect from a partner. It's so low that she is over the moon that he's feeding the baby. So I'm going to take it from here. I'm going to let Joe Joe calm down. Her <laughs> blood pressure is kind of high right now. So we move on. 
Sarah and Sean goes to the doctor because Sarah wants some new boobies, some new titties. She wants to get some new titties, triple C's. Calvin language. It's just, it's the Father's Day. It's a heavenly day. Hey, God made boobies. You're boobies so, are all right. You're so crazy. Heavenly Father, huh, boobies. You're so crazy. Boogly, 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 boogly. That's talking in. So Sarah feels, she's feeling insecure because she's had two pregnancies now and she feels like her body. And she got minus eight cups. Base, yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. She feels like these babies have taken all of the boobage from her and she wants this boobage back. She wants some new titties. But, um, so they go to the clinic to look at sizes. She initially wanted to go in for like a C. She wants triple C's. She No triples anything. She wanted a C, but now that she's actually looking at like the forms they have to test and to try out, she's leaning more towards a D and then her phone starts ringing Double off D's. the hook. And guess who's calling? D's. Do you know who's calling? D's. Anthony. Anthony is her baby daddy. She He's the, the father of her eldest daughter, Abby, who's being raised by her mother. And apparently he's out of rehab. In the last episode, Sarah talked about reaching out to Anthony, almost like to get back at Sean. And he was in rehab at the time. That's why she met up with the sister. And now he's out, which tells me time is moving extremely fast. Really, really fast for him to already be out of rehab. But also we get to see the baby again. And that baby goes from being a bald infant to like almost a year to two years old. Thanks to steroids. It's just in full head of hair. So... Anthony's back in uh, back in the picture. He's telling her now that he's out of rehab, he wants to meet Abby. I want to meet Abby. And, I want to be there for her. And she's, and she's like, I got to run it past my mom because, you know, my mom's been the one to raise her because I was in jail and you've been in and out of rehabs. So let me check it with her first and then I'll let you know. Question, how did he escape jail? Or did he go to jail? I think he did go to jail. Okay. We're going to do some research about that, but moving right along. But he hasn't been around Abby. And Abby's now eight. So Sarah goes to see moms. Right. And, and mom mom's is not skillet having it. is like, nah, we not having it. We ain't having it. She wants to know why out. Now, all of a sudden, after eight years, he's that interested in Abby. And I think she is about, I think she's worried more about her daughter possibly falling back in love with this. She thinks the only reason he's interested right now is to get back close to Sarah. Apparently that's been their history. He just wants to be around Sarah he doesn't really care about too much else besides drugs. Because it's you and me forever, Sarah, smile. Mom also asks Sarah if she talked to Sean about all of this meetup. And Sarah's like, no, Sean of course doesn't not. need to know. That's crazy. That's that's crazy talk, Mom. Because Sean and his slow turtle voice go, I can't believe you talking to Anthony again. They're trying to set up, so the show seems to be trying to set up a narrative that Sean also has jealousy issues. We've been watching the show for a long time. Have you ever seen Sean get jealous? Sean said he's possibly going to get jealous when she get them new triple C titties. But I feel like that was a prompted answer. I feel like they were like, do you think you'll get jealous if, if Sarah has these new boobs? And he was like, yeah, I might get jealous. First of all, I can't tell if Sean boobs. has a pulse half of the time. So I don't even know jealousy would probably be in the same... As his calmness. <laughs> no There'd changes. be no change whatsoever. There, it feels like that's the narrative they're trying to do with their storyline. Is like, ooh, we're also dealing with jealousy. But I have a hard time picturing Sean losing it because he's jealous. Anyway. Now on to the great drama that is the fight 
Well, actually, it wasn't a fight of the century. We're going to talk about Derek, Monique, and the sisters, and other sisters getting it on. It's definitely the most lively thing to happen out of all the storylines. <laughs> in a parking lot, in a random par- parking lot somewhere. I also didn't appreciate how they split up this, the segments between them. Like, it was clear as soon as we heard that Monique and her sister and Derek and his sisters were going to meet, that they were going to fight. We knew that was happening. But the show showed us, like, very little at the beginning and then very little in the middle and then finally gave us everything else at the end. So which one is Elizabeth? Is Elizabeth the one that had on the ski mask? I don't know which one is which. I want to say Elizabeth is the... Elizabeth? Who I think is the younger sister. Elizabeth? The braces? That's who I think Elizabeth is. Elizabeth? I think Abriana is the taller Elizabeth. sister, the older one. <laughs> But I don't know. So, if you wonder why I'm laughing so hard, there's a picture of the girl, one of the sisters in the ski mask, laying on the parking, you know, the little median that you have when you get to park so you don't go over it's, to the grass. It's the parking spacer. It's parking spacer. Yeah. She's laying over it like somebody powerbombed her on top of it <laughs> as if she just got shot. So, how about you give us the overview, Calvin? How do we even get to the fight? So, both sisters are in their cars driving up to the rendezvous point. Okay. So Derek's talking to his sister about how they're just supposed to go there to meet, squash the beef. Squash the beef. This is supposed to be a peace meeting. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's anything yeah. but peace, but that's the whole crux of this whole meet meetup. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to meet up to squash the beef. Mm-hmm. So you have a group of sisters in one car with uh, Derek, mm-hmm. and the other group of sisters in another car with what's her Monique. Right. So, so they're going back and forth in the cars of them arguing back and forth meetup. with Derek and Monique about this meetup. So, but to be fair. So, uh, Elizabeth is the older sister, the one with the ski mask, and Aubriana is the younger one. It was in, like, the leather outfit. So, But to be fair, neither one of these sisters wanted to meet each other. Derek's idea at the end of the last episode was for everybody to get together to be one big thing, which I don't understand his logic because, A, he's been cheating on Monique and his, her sisters already don't like him. And his resolution to that was for them to meet his sisters because he feels it's been long enough for them to get over their beef. Okay. Man logic time. Oh, gosh. Okay. As with man logic. Okay, you two, you guys have been arguing, arguing back and forth. This should be over by now. You're not going to fight. You're not fighting. You're just arguing. Let's just meet and get this all the air cleared up. And maybe, just maybe, we can just function around each other for maybe an hour or two. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. What Derek doesn't understand is you can't. Calm, crazy. Are they crazy? What Monique and doesn't understand is, well, Monique doesn't want to do it anyway. So, Derek doesn't understand. Beef gets you killed in the streets. Okay, this is beef. Okay, they don't like each other. Mm-hmm. They're never gonna like each other, no matter what. Mm-hmm. He should. He needs to give up. What's done is that his grandma told him he need to give up. 
So his grandma straight up said his sisters were hoes. She said, "Don't trust them hoes. They're not gonna change." That was a, that's exactly what she said. Granny knows best. It was so hilarious. And obviously, Granny's right because them hoes ain't loyal. No, no, they change. My thing is, Derek already tried this whole meetup squash thing before with the grandmother. They, the, his sisters were supposed to come meet the grandmother, his aunt, his dad, and all that fun stuff with Monique. They didn't show. And Elizabeth was like. Uh, we gonna get there. We gonna eat. We gonna have some foods. We gonna get it in. She did. Yeah. And then they got there like, where you going, Derek? I thought the the, the thing just started. Derek's like, nah. We've been here for thir- almost four or five hours. Oh, that's right. They showed up late. We're leaving. That's right. Y'all just gonna leave it all for me. But like, uh, so I feel like he's not pause. listening because every time he talks to his sisters about Monique, they tell him straight up, we don't like her. We're not gonna get any closure with this. It does, and it doesn't help that one of them looked they were getting high before we were getting there. She was smoking a vape pen. Sure. I'm just saying, I don't know too many people who get, who get high on weed and then they are aggressive. I don't know too many people where that is the reaction. No, they don't. But when stuff happens, hey, stuff happens. They can't hear your facial expressions. Stuff happens. Interesting. So basically, they're both both families. When it's time are to get it on, you get it on. In their cars, Monique's sisters, Calandra and Sylvia, are basically telling her that Derek's sisters need to apologize to her for what they did on social media and how that first meeting went down. Derek's sisters are telling y'all need to apologize to us because right. we didn't do anything. Because they also apparently have been on social media. So now it's just who should apologize to who? That's the whole argument. Honestly, they should both apologize to each other. They both stepped out with the wrong foot. 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 They both stepped out with the wrong foot. They both came in with attitudes. And they showed the clips of this to back it up. We see that first meeting again where Monique sends her sister to quote unquote check the temperature of Derek's sisters. Check that temperature, girl. Check that temperature. Brianna. Their explanation of like, oh no, I was just checking temperature. We see in that clip that she's like, what's your problem with my What's your problem with my sister? Like immediately. What's beef? But to be fair, they also met that attitude and was like, we got all kinds because she's not the one over here talking to us. You are the one over here talking to us. And it just escalates from there and goes. Also, Monique is under the impression that those girls stalked them that one day and scared the living daylights out of her when she thought she was being chased by a car. I think she knows it was another woman. I don't think she... I no, think she, she and the, when they are in the car talking about how the sisters have treated her, she brings up the car chase. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I missed that whole thing. She also brings up the fact that she feels the sisters should be thankful and grateful that Derek's with a woman like her. I don't know about that. I don't want to... I'm just going to move on because I have really bad things to say about the car ride. <laughs> so... Oh, it was like three tons of fun in that car. Goodness gracious. So... Uh, After when they when they finally meet and Derek's trying to get them to have a calm conversation, it's like it lasts three seconds. It's like two thousand pounds in the parking lot. It's like three seconds of fighting, so then, or, or calmness before they immediately start yelling, yelling over each other and not letting each other even talk. So Elizabeth and Aubriana, Aubriana, and Elizabeth, let's just go, let's just go, forget these hoes, uh, again, let's just go. Honestly, I feel like that was the best move. They knew they weren't going to get anywhere, and they didn't want to fight. So they're like, we're going to leave. They get back in their car. Of course, they're still hot about everything that's been going on. So then Monique's sister, Sylvia, says, if you're going to swing, swing, bitch. If you're going to swing, swing, bitch. So it's not just her. It's also Monique. Like, they are still baiting them. Monique goes over to the car, and it's like, if you're going to fight, fight. And it's they ain't going to do nothing. Swing. And unfortunately, the Derek's sisters take the bait. So then Elizabeth's going, swing. 
Uh, y'all won't swing? I won't swing? I, she comes running out the car at two miles per hour. First of all, she takes time to put that ski mask back over her face. Like we don't know who it is. Was it to protect her face, I'm thinking? Was it to protect it? Uh, I don't care. I don't know. Her body dress is so tight that her running rides it up so high. They have to blur Jamar, out stop. She was so pop, much. She was power walking. She was not running. She, it was like a little hop step. It took her twenty minutes to get there, and then like she had, she, and then she had to be careful with her nails to get this these fists because together. Because she has vampire lichen nails, and they got to fight with like the sides of their hands because she can't, you know, make a. So fist now fist. she can't make a fist. Which why would you go to a situation where you know you might fight with nails that you can't make a fist with? It really wasn't a fight. It was a lot of like pulling each ah, other. Ah, ah, but like a sister goes down immediately. Like they're pulling. You see them tugging at each other. Sylvia goes down. The big sister Sylvia goes down, but I'm going to give her credit. She got up really fast. When she goes down, Elizabeth starts beating her in her head. But it's like she used her weight to bunks back up real quick. And starts fighting Elizabeth. And or not, not Elizabeth, uh, Brianna. Brianna, and then that's when the And fight then people are pulling wigs. Wigs are askew. The crew has to get in to try to separate them. Derek's trying to separate them. And that's when we have Elizabeth... Uh, arched back over the median of the parking place. It's not the median. Place. She's on the parking spacer. Uh, we don't know how she got on the ground, though. I know how she got on there. She's over. She's a She's a lot. She's overreacting. Oh, you think she dramatically fell? Yes. Okay. She's yes. all of a sudden on the ground. She's her, very, her, very her back over that spacer. Very flamboyant. And, and she starts oh, kicking the car. Oh, oh, what happened? Oh, she's she starts kicking Monique's rent-a-car with her sisters in it. Monique and her sisters drive off. Well, Derek we know that pissed. car ain't even budging because there's we saw it a drive off. pounds there. We saw it car. drive off. It dropped, it drove off. Slow. All right, last but not least, let's go ahead and talk about nostalgia TV shows we like. Because you guys already know we, our, one of our favorite junk TV shows we like to watch. So now we're going to give you guys... Our favorite cartoon, TV show, and movie that we liked as a kid or, yeah, as, as kids or adults now, too. Okay. So, uh, you guys can feel free to let us know your favorite shows as well. Um, Maybe I'll entice them to watch it and we can review them. Yeah. Send us our uh, movies you guys want us to watch and we'll probably go over them on the podcast. Okay. That'd be cool. Uh, so, you want to start? What's your favorite cartoon? My favorite cartoon growing up was Gem and the Holograms. Of course. They, Why? they went on adventures. There was a black person in it. She wow. had purple hair, which is my favorite One color. Black person. Shauna was a fashion designer slash drummer slash bassist. Okay, slash piano player. She was amazing. So why didn't Shauna have her own damn group? She quit the group and did her own thing. And then the group needed her to come back. Boom. Evidently, her own thing didn't work. No, Boom. she made money. She was making double monies. Then why she comes back? Because she is a sister to Jim. She's an adopted sister. Sounds person. like Shauna had nothing else going on for herself. Uh, sounds to me like Shauna was like, and I'm she not wanted to stay on no her show, money. and she wanted to stay on the show. That's why she came back to Jim and the Holograms. She said, I am not going to say no to me. First of all, money. that's a long ass name Jen and the Holograms. Jim. There's no Jen. I'm sorry. Jim and the Holograms. That's the name of the group. Wasn't she a superhero too? Kind of. She had 
There was a hologram. She was doing too she much. She could change stuff, oh, and she ran an orphanage. Wow. There was all that in 24 it hours. It was the 80s. There was she did so all that in 24 things. hours. First of all, they had a t- they had talking VR in the 80s. I don't need you to calm down. No, I'm dead serious. Stop using your hands when you talk to me. I am dead serious. Put your hands down when you talk to me. How dare you say anything negative about Gemini Holograms? Firstly, first of all. Apologies to me. They're one of the baddest groups on the planet. Apparently. Apparently, you're a a Gemaholic, whatever it is. What what is her fan fan club called? I don't know. Hollerettes? I don't think it's the Hologrammers. Hologrammers? I don't know. What are you? (laughs) Because evidently, you want a beehive. You're one of them, huh? I'm just saying. Jeez. Even their their villain band, the Misfits, they were amazing. Their songs are so good. For the love of, fuck. And us. again, where I grew up in a predominantly white place, Heaven seeing a black woman on my TV screen, I was losing it. So, he- Heaven to Betsy. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? Ha! See, that's the thing. Mm, mm, mm. It's going to be between Thundercats and uh, Darkwing Duck. Ooh. God. I'm going to have to go Darkwing Duck. Yeah, I was going to say, Thundercats are, I found out much later, a show about colonizers. First of all, all our shows have messed up if you watch them as adults. That's so true. Pepe Le Pew was a... Rapist. Rapist. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's, let's put Literally that chasing pussy yeah. that doesn't want him. Yeah. Yeah. And then but just for, taking it. Yeah. Not knowing that the, the the thing that he thought was a skunk was actually a cat. Didn't stop him. At all. He's going to take it or Either get it way. one way or the other. Um, what Ooh. other cartoon that you be watching now you go, ugh, it's kind of rough. Darkwing Duck. No, Darkwing Duck is... About a rich guy who decides he's going to no, be actually, the end all. No. Be all for justice. No. You, 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 now you're confusing him with Batman. That's who he's based on. Yeah. He's based on Batman. But he's not Batman. Oh, he's okay. not rich. Oh. He's a regular dad who just happens to have... Endless get, access to to all of these... Tech, to all this technology? He created himself. Thank you very much. He's, he's smart. Is he a scientist? No. He's just a regular guy who wants to fight crime and makes his neighborhood protective. And talk really long yeah. right before he gets somebody? I am the terror that flaps in the night. <laughs> Are you coming for Darkwing Duck right now? He's not rich? No. Interesting. He has a nice affordable house. He has a lair. And all of those all of those mobiles. All those Darkwing Duck mobiles. Technically his lair is a big ass Brooklyn bridge. Kinda. That's what it is. A a bridge is open. How is it the Brooklyn Bridge? And I think he actually works there. I think that's what he does in the day. He works there. I'm confused. No. First of all, don't insult my show. I didn't insult yours. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. We just... Are you going to rewind it? No. I forget what I say. Right if I say it. Immediately? So, doesn't even matter. Um, let's move on to uh, TV shows. Great. So, live people TV shows? Yeah. Live people TV shows. Who was yours? The letter people. It's educational. It taught me how to spell, which, ironically, I really can't. So, that's a whole nother... So not successful. Not successful. Uh, you know, and it's kind of scary. Eh. So, eh. so is there's that? Mm-hmm. But the theme song was amazing. 
Come and meet the letter people. Come and meet the family. Words are made by letter people. A, B, C, D. Follow me. Boom. The letter people. Today's letter is C. Cotton candy. Mr. C. I can tell you all the characters' names damn near. T was tall teeth. He was like a, a, a Muppet with tall ass teeth. Big ass teeth. What was J? J. No one cares about J. Wow. So you can't tell me all of the characters. No, I can't. How about A? A was ap- Apple? <laughs> I don't remember. This was a long time ago. You know what? I'm going to learn and I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you what they're all about. And you're going to sit here and I'm going to tell you what every alphabet name was and what their snit. Their stick was. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to do. Don't you ever. What's your favorite little stupid TV show here, Joe? Alex Mack. Uh, excuse me? A Nickelodeon TV Sounds show. Sounds like drugs. You like drugs? Came out in the 90s called Alex Mack. It was about a girl who gets chemicals spilled on her by accident, and then she gets superpowers. She can turn into goo, and she can slip and slide under places, yeah, she, she got, fights crime. Sounds like somebody who got the worst superpowers on the planet. It's actually it's so good. It's so good. Sounds disgusting. Oh, and then stuff starts going wrong because, you know, it's toxic chemicals. And she has to talk to the lab to figure out what's going on with her. That means revealing that she has these abilities because the lab's also been looking for her because they want to sell her as a weapon. Oh, that's the most depressing TV show I've ever heard. It's actually really good. I really liked it. Also, as a uh, bonus, I will say my other favorite TV show would be... um, Uh... Urkel? Family Matters? Family Matters. <laughs> Urkel. That's your, fa- your your favorite show is Urkel? Family Matters. Uh, Do you know the Martin? Theme? Martin was good? Yeah. Do you know the theme song of Family Matters? It's a rare condition this day and age. The reason of the Google of the newspaper stage. A love condition of the fan design. Because his voice kind of cracks right there. People mix that and Step by Step's theme song together. Step by step, day by day. I sound just like the dude on that. Okay. What happened Happened to predictability? The milkman, the paper boy, the evening TV. Thought I didn't know it, huh? Do you know who that guy is? The guy who sends every ABC show. He also music? sang the, the songs for Toy Story. He's that guy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That white man who likes to sing oh. jazz, yeah. Oh, oh, that guy. Yeah, friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. That's him. Um, movies. What's your favorite movie? Barry Gordy's. I know it as Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, but now it's just labeled as The Last Dragon. The Last Dragon. The goat. 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 I'm like, okay, I I get it. We got the glow. I made my husband watch it for like the eightieth time. And I was like, you know that there's a little controversy on it because it hasn't aged well in terms of, like, political commentary. And he's like, it's not that bad. First scene he looks at is when the main character, Bruce Leroy, is sitting in a full Chinese outfit with a hat and is using chopsticks to eat popcorn he's while very they watch ta- a movie. He's very talented. <laughs> very talented. He was like, mm, okay. Well, Who's maybe, the master? Show enough. Maybe this is a little much. Who's the master? It's not, enough. It's not very politically correct, but it is so 80s good. Hey, Bruce Leroy. Who's the master? It's so 80s. Mwah, 80s good. It's so great. It's awesome. And 
What was the girl named Vanity? Van- is it Vanity? Yeah. I don't know. I just know this poor lady was in a lot of shows no. where she just plays the same person over and over. Yes, Vanity, because Apollonia was in uh, Purple Rain. She wasn't in Purple Rain, this lady? No. Somebody else. Hey, Prince got around. Prince was the Prince was that guy. I'm just saying, Prince needs to have one type. And <laughs> that is kind of mixed lady. Is there a problem? I'm just saying, they all look alike. Okay. <laughs> sure. Oh, okay. My my favorite movie. Ah, here's the thing. There is like two. I love the golden child. Ah, 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 ah. Won't die. <laughs> Please. And uh, Coming to America. Yeah. Calvin definitely knows Coming to America inside and out. He can quote a scene without even watching it. Wait a second. Wait a second. A man has the right to name his name Muhammad Ali. If a man wants to name the chance of man to Muhammad Ali, God damn it, you stretch his bushes and call him Muhammad Ali. His mama named him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. What did you think about the sequel? Eh. You haven't watched that as much. Eh. Okay. Eh. okay. It was alright. I think it had some funny moments in it. It was alright. Coming back to the stage, you know... The, I love that part. At the I like end. that part. When she's like, don't play with me. <laughs> <laughs> don't play with me. She screams and she starts screams. running back and forth. Mr. Randy Watson. Ah! <laughs> she falls out. That was the best part. She was like, hilarious. don't play with me. They were all like that. His whole family was like, what? <laughs> we are family. It was so good. You know him down. You know him as Mr. Johnson. What's going down as on the show, that's my mama, <laughs> Mr. Randy Watson. <laughs> that Randy boy good. Watson, to that the stage. Boy good. That boy good and terrible. <laughs> Feels so lovely to be here. Like, well, thank you, to my Raven. You've been Raven for every year. Thank you. I want to thank you. <laughs> and why don't you give yourself a, a loving clap? So beautiful. For the beautiful day. And while you're in a clapping mood, I want you to give a thanks to uh, hand to my band, Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> I believe the future of our future. Thank you. <laughs> Teacher Bell, let them lead the way. Don't they play so beautiful? Don't you agree? Chocolate, chocolate. The whole thing is not, it's great, nonstop. 80s Eddie is phenomenal. And then you still had, I, I like the, uh, all of the, um, the clumps, you know. Honestly, like I told you before, I did not appreciate the fact that he made all of those clumps individual people they all were individual they weren't they, they weren't just a variance of the same person they were all their own thing come on and he cletus. did that with come two on, movies cletus. you walk over you gonna limp back you walk over but you gonna limp back come on cletus also Hercules, Hercules. we didn't know that it was played by eddie murphy by all, all of them were eddie murphy until way later that's called pure talent <laughs> so john amos tells a story on the set of uh coming to america where he dressed up as the old uh jewish guy and he came up to him and just started talking to him right and he started like messing with Jane, uh john amos john amos was like who's this old white guy that's here mess with me he didn't know it was eddie mm-hmm. so he just kept messing with him he's like 
yo, somebody don't come get this old dude. I'm gonna knock this old dude out. Then he said, he's all of a sudden here. That, <laughs> That's how you knew it was Eddie. He was like, Eddie was amazing. Mm-hmm. He's like, you couldn't tell it was him. He played all those roles. Mm-hmm. And they all were different. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's our favorite uh, cartoon, TV, shows, and movie from our nostalgia uh, segment. Mm-hmm. Let us know what's yours. We can uh, talk about them. And we might even watch them and uh, give you a quick synopsis of what we thought about them. We got a Tubi account. All we do is watch old TV shows and movies oh on God. that thing. The black section of Tubi is the is greatest. Hilarious. It's the greatest. He done did you wrong. <laughs> what two <laughs> the sequel and that is the actual name of a movie the what they gonna do <laughs> what was that crazy we watched a movie where it looked like it was gonna be a story about a couple who break up but it was a couple that decided to start have sex with other people but stay a couple in their house and it ended with a murder it was so random sound like you was watching a porno that's it basically like. was because it was like at first I thought they were going to go into the dynamics of the relationship but not really they just got into a lot of sex and then they made it seem like it was a dream and then it was real and then the, at the end the husband decides he's just going to kill her so apparently we got to go because apparently the dog is losing her she eats knits <laughs> and she wants something so thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week all right All right, thank you for tuning in for We Like That podcast. Because we like that. If you enjoy this podcast, please stick around. More chaotic episodes are coming down the pike. I'm Joe. I'm Calvin. We'll see you next time. See you.